Hello and welcome to Dungeon Jedi Masters, a podcast discussing everything Star Wars 5e. My name is Todd, I've got Tegan here, and we're looking forward to jumping into hyperspace with you. Let's go! Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dungeon Jedi Masters Podcast, Season 3, Episode 10. Tegan, hello. How are you? Doing pretty well, but I really dig in the Kenobi content, uh, though I do want to put out to all of our fans, just be chill, like, be nice to the actors. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's been a good start. Uh, I'm caught up myself, so if, uh, everyone else out there is as well. Uh, been a great start as well. And yes, just echo what you're saying there. Enjoy the content. Just enjoy it. So welcome to our episode today. We have a DM spotlight, uh, fellow DM spotlight uh, with Vesh that uh, many of you might know from the council, Star Wars 5e. And uh, he has some awesome content out there, including uh, Vesh's holodecks, I believe it's called, another kind of monster manual collection of sorts. So great conversation with him. We'll bring in later there. But first, uh, up front on our end, be sure to check us out, DungeonJediMasters.com for access to all of our content, including this podcast, our YouTube channel for videos on other content and uh, VODs of uh, actual plays, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon as well. Patreon is the best way to support Dungeon Jedi Masters and doing so also gets you access to exclusive content. We have four new members in tier two level. Jonathan took advantage of an annual discount, Barry, Ralph, and Donald, who also took advantage of a annual discount there. So thank you to you new members there and all of our Patreon members uh, that we do have. And uh, Tegan, along with this episode today is also the tier two release of our of the next chapter in the invasion campaign. That's right. So uh, this is chapter three for invasion. Uh, we're going to be going over the conspiracy adventure. So the uh, crew is going to be getting to learn a little bit more of uh, the kind of uh, unlikely conspirators with the invaders and hopefully uncover that mystery and kind of bring it uh, bring it to an end. Uh, so this will be nice for me to start out. That's going to be launching Tuesday and hopefully Tuesday we'll be wrapping up adventure two with the invasion crew that we're streaming with us playing at my table with it as well and kicking off uh, the actual invasion number three conspiracy line on about two weeks fantastic we'll touch on that here in a second uh but of course be sure to check out that patreon and everything we have on there there's a lot of free content as well so you can poke around and see some of the things we offer and and see if uh you know you want to support us and gain access to that other stuff uh last week if you didn't catch it uh, vagrant freighters episode five released uh, last thursday so uh be sure to check that out we're really getting towards the end of there there are three more episodes in that series so be sure to check that out if you haven't on the podcast channel. And then uh, Twitch, we have uh, some new things coming up. Tegan, as you kind of mentioned, the your Invasion series, which is going alongside our Invasion campaign for the Patreons, uh, will be out tonight, release of this podcast, Session 9. Yep, so session nine, last session was a, a big session. I won't give any spoilers here, but uh, uh, definitely uh, changed the group dynamics up a little bit. So we'll be kind of uh, going over the, the rest of that, uh, kind of what happened there, uh, a little bit of fallout, uh, and then hopefully uh, ending the Sciho adventure. Uh, so join us tonight at 6.30 p.m. Eastern time and uh, join the crew as they kind of figure out what's next for them. 
also too so uh we've got that uh this week but next week we are kicking off uh, another new star wars 5e adventure uh this is actually what i'll get to be a player in so uh keith uh at my table and if you guys have watched invasion you know him as dash or hunted you know him as ping uh he's gonna be uh dming a campaign so uh he's doing stranded which is gonna be uh kind of a, a mixture of uh legends and homebrew uh but basically actually legends canon and homebrew uh he's uh, I won't spoil anything from it, but join us on uh, the session zero for that. Uh, he's going to be going over a little bit of the campaign premise. Uh, we'll be introducing our characters, and I believe he's going to be doing a battle room, too, so we'll get to see our characters in action a bit, too. So come through, check it out. Uh, stoked to be a player, so uh, you get to see me on the other side of the screen. And that'll be, uh, what, remind us your Twitch channel again there, Tegan. Oh, yeah, definitely. So the, that'll also be at 6.30 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. They're going to be op, uh, alternate Tuesdays. So Tuesdays will be Star Wars, uh, 5e Tuesdays on my Twitch channel, Tegan J Gaming. Uh, look it through. We'll have a link in the description and follow, drop a follow and get some fun Star Wars content every Tuesday. Awesome. Looking forward to it. So uh, that's pretty much everything on our end other than next Thursday, the 16th, will be episode six of Vagrant Freighters. So Last week was five. Next week will be six. So that's the next thing on the radar for us for now, other than, uh, as Tegan mentioned, the uh, actual plays. Switching over to Star Wars 5e content, we had a big blast of content in the last run. So we just have one to touch on this week. Uh, but a pretty cool uh, new addition here, life support and environmental suit equipment and stuff like that. Uh, Tegan, tell us about that. So this was kind of timely. I was actually looking at this for uh, the Stranded campaign when I was building out my PC and I was wishing there were more rules. And uh, this one kind of popped up right at the, the perfect time. Uh, so basically with this, it goes over a lot of rules for how to utilize environmental suits. Uh, it was before they just had the environmental suit one category or one option for it and it was supposed to encompass everything and there weren't many rules behind it uh, but with this edition uh, the kind of the life support edition they go through and provide some more rules and clarity for environmental suits uh, also go over what respirators can do and how they work uh, and also give you a little bit more information on what flight suits do too so uh, a lot of those items that are already in there or some of those items are already in there but not defined they put some definition behind them and then for environmental suits they go through and expand a ton of different options with them uh, so just at a high level for every environmental suit you have uh, it is going to reduce your speed while wearing it the nice thing is you can wear them over your armor uh, so it takes your speed down by 15. Uh, it also includes eight hours of oxygen within them so every one of those includes an eight hours of oxygen a uh, cool thing for both environmental suits, though, and respirators, uh, they do have an oxygen tank you can buy for 100 credits uh, where you can hook it up. And I think that's another eight hours of oxygen, too. So uh, both respirators and environmental suits can make use of them. So kind of another cool feature there. Uh, with the environmental suits, though, they have a ton of different options, um, ranging from space suits, which is kind of the, the ones that comes to everybody's mind, but they've also got diving suits, flame-proof suits, conductive suits. Uh, the nice thing with these, though, uh, and there's a, not one that syncs up with each damage type. Uh, so, for instance, uh, space suits uh, sync up with necrotic damage. Uh, Diving suits, uh, I think they sync up with cold damage. Uh, and they, so each of them have a different one that you can get a little extra protection from with them. So I thought that was pretty cool as well. Uh, and then they go in for some different modifications and uh, overlays and things that you can add to these as well. 
Uh, so really cool rules. Uh, the big thing I would be kind of uh, pushing a uh, galley for Steve for uh, is to give some rules too for your environmental suit getting torn. Uh, that was the only thing I did see here, kind of in combat, how that would work. So uh, that's uh, the last thing on my wish list, but this is a really cool one and definitely kind of helped me make some choices for Stranded. Awesome. Yeah. Great addition there. And as you said, I think, uh, you know, some, even some other systems I've played with, you know, in the kind of the sci-fi genre using EVA suits and similar, uh, you always, you have to have a reason for them to, uh, malfunction or otherwise, you know, to ratchet up that tension. So very cool. Check that out, uh, on the Reddit, uh, or probably be added to that expanded content section on the website. I believe that is everything on the front end. So we're going to go ahead and bring in that interview with Vesh. Great conversation there. So let's check that out. All right, everyone. Uh, so happy to welcome Zach, aka Vesh, uh, to the podcast. Vesh, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And actually, uh, you're. It's good morning for you, uh, Tegan. <laughs> uh, evening for us, as you are calling in from Japan. Uh, yes. Uh, it is currently 10 a.m. About <laughs> just got up a little while ago. Awesome. Uh, so uh, yeah, time of recording this, it's uh, 9 p.m. for Tegan and I. And, um, you know, it's uh, awesome, though, that we'd be able to coordinate this uh, and uh, have a chat with you. So thank you for working that out. Yeah, glad we can make it happen. That's kind of a fun way to start off your Monday morning, get a little Star Wars 5e talk in. <laughs> it's not a bad way to do it. As we do on these uh, DM spotlights, we love to talk with uh, other community members and whatnot and just learn about their experience in tabletops in general and with Star Wars 5e. Some of you may know that Vesh is, uh, you know, has been one of the council members, has some great contributions, including Vesh's holodex, which has a lot of great uh, stat blocks and things for the system. Uh, but Vesh, let's start with how you got into tabletops uh, to begin with. Uh, what were those first games you played and, and yeah, what were those first experiences like? I don't think I have a particularly thrilling or exciting or unique story there. I got in admittedly, like originally uh, from being introduced to Critical Role, I think was how I got into it way back in like 2016. Okay. So like when it was still in campaign one and got very involved in watching that and then wanted to play. Uh, I got into actually playing because a by happenstance, someone at my university at the time uh, was looking to start a game and just happened to ask me. And I was like, that's great because I want to start playing. So I got to play like just Simple Minds of Fandelver um, as a tiefling warlock because I was going for originality. And it lasted all of one session and then it ended. But uh, after that, I mostly just got into playing on World 20 and stuff. So I was doing a lot of online gaming for a while, um, jumping from game to game, uh, none of them kind of lasting a very long time. And was that mostly playing uh, during those or when did you step into that GM seat? Yeah, so I, I was mostly playing at the time because I was terrified about the prospect of GMing because uh, I didn't really know enough about the game. And, uh, the problem was most of those games ended really fast because the GMs weren't committed or didn't stick around. Okay. And yeah, so I decided eventually that I actually wanted to keep a game going for more than like three sessions. And that if that meant that I had to run it, then that would be the case. I think that's often, as you said, yeah, that often is the case that if you want to continue to play or you want to play more, uh, I think a lot of us 
we switch over and become the, the DMs, the GMs ourselves. And, and then that's, uh, that's how it starts. Yeah. Uh, and it ended up being that my first game I DM'd was Star Wars 5e. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. What was your first campaign about or what was kind of the general theme of it? Uh, it was an Old Republic campaign because uh, Star Wars The Old Republic MMO is uh, a game I love to play a lot. And so I just love that setting a whole lot and wanted to get to uh, experience, you know, living and playing it and putting other people, giving other people the opportunity to be in that setting too. Awesome. Yeah, definitely, uh, you know, a classic piece of, of content for Star Wars. And, and uh, as you said, to bring that to a table in, in this format, fantastic opportunity to do so. So backing up a little bit from that, so we'll dive into Star Wars 5e a little bit more. Uh, so 5e was your first experiences. Have you played any other systems outside of 5e, Star Wars 5e? Uh, not as many as I'd like. Uh, I've played some uh, was it Mutants and Masterminds, I think I did a, a few sessions of. That's one of my favorites. So how'd you like it? Uh, it's good. It was overwhelming when I first got into it because obviously it's it's very different from 5e, right? Character creation's a bit intense. <laughs> yes, that was that was the thing. I was like, oh, there's so much I can do here. <laughs> so you have unlimited freedom, good upside, but the downsides, you have like unlimited freedom, which can be <laughs> a lot to deal with. Uh, but definitely, it's been one of my favorites, but it's hard to get like people into it because yeah, character creation, like, especially that first time, is it's a bit of a pain. <laughs> yeah, well, it was just definitely like, ah, there's I can I mean I can do anything. I can just have any character. <laughs> uh, so I think I went for kind of uh I think the, the character I went through that first time was like a Danny Phantom type of character. I wanted to play like a ghost powered, you know, hero. Yeah. Um, so like I think what was it? Is it intangibility or I forget what they call that in that system. Um, but where you can like go through walls and do all of that and then took energy blasts. Awesome. Yeah. Not one I have checked out yet, but yeah, I know Tegan, you've been uh, running that uh, a bit lately. Yeah, it's been one of my new favorites, especially because you can pretty much build any concept you want to. And I've been really mm. feeling uh, outside of Star Wars 5e, I've been really feeling classless systems where you can kind of just build what you want to play. Yeah. It's a really different concept especially from something like 5e which is obviously for me the one system that i know more than any other so it's uh it's a unique take on it. i think it, it works well i wish that other people were probably more uh that there was a bigger uh fan base for those systems as well as 5e mm -hmm. but you know it is what it is yeah that's that's certainly uh uh, and arguments, uh, we don't need to go down, right? <laughs> it's beaten to death for sure. Uh, any other systems that you've checked out or, or ones that you want to check out uh, that you haven't yet? I got to play one game of Call of Cthulhu. Nice. And I loved it, but I haven't been able to play any more of it since. Awesome. Yeah, I, I, I was in a, a little mini show, two episode thing recently with that, which was fun. And I, I've checked it out. Uh, I've done like some test games. Um, it has, if you get the starter set, uh, I mentioned this every time, it has an amazing uh, solo play. It's kind of like a choose your own adventure. If you are having that itch again, Vesh, um, or anyone else out there for Cthulhu, it's an awesome, it, it teaches you how to build your character and then basically kind of play the game. And then the story that they have for that is super good. But yeah, Cthulhu is a really cool system. You know, just the whole, that whole kind of sanity 
mechanic and everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds, I didn't know that they have that. That sounds pretty interesting. Tegan has been playing a lot of different systems lately. I've done a lot of different ones myself and, and there's so much value I, to that, I think, in, in playing different systems because then you can take it back to 5e or, or vice versa, whatever. Not even if it's direct mechanics, but you borrow something and, and uh, can just make that other game uh, that much livelier. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, yeah, let's get into... Let's get into some Star Wars 5e stuff specifically here. Uh, mm -hmm. That's what we're here to talk about. So when did you, so I know you said your first game that you GM'd was Star Wars 5e. How did you come across Star Wars 5e? Uh, kind of by chance. I was looking on World 20 uh, for a new game to play because I think one had just previously ended. And I think it was just looking for 5e games, but somebody had listed a Star Wars 5e game, which came up. Uh, and it was the first time I'd ever heard of it. Uh, I hadn't ever considered running it because I had looked at, I think, was it the D6 system? Uh, okay, the, the saga, old the saga. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the wedge, the D6 was the West End Fantasy. games. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. then there is a D21 in there, and then next was Saga. Saga was, I think, a 3.5, kind of similar. I believe. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That shows my familiarity with those ones. Um, but <laughs> I'd seen some of those, and I, I mean, I'm, I've never played them. I'm sure they're a lot of fun. Uh, I was put off because I was only familiar with 5e, and mm -hmm. so I felt like uncomfortable with trying to get into those. And so when I saw that there was somebody playing a 5e game that was Star Wars themed, I was ecstatic. Uh, so... I got into that game. It played for, as was the case for many of these games, one session. Uh, <laughs> it was a really fun session. I was really uh, blown away by just looking at the website at the time, which was, this was back in uh, late 2019. So it was a little Very earlier. different, yeah. Very different from what the game is now. But just even back then, I was like, oh my gosh, this, you know, I could imagine everything and it was clearly themed off of a lot of like old republic um lore at least you know a lot of the pictures were coming from uh stuff like that and so i was uh yeah really excited to do it i only got to play one session i think i was playing a chiss operative so anyone who's on the discord who's seen that my icon is a chiss operative that's the character i played for one session and i never changed my icon ever since <laughs> consistency got the backstory now we got the... yeah um, but because that game ended so quickly, I was left with that itch to keep playing. And so I decided uh, a few weeks later, like, all right, I'll just, I'll start my own game. I know Star Wars lore. I don't need to world build for that as much. So that makes it a lot easier. Yeah, that, I think that's one good part. I, that's one thing I, I enjoy with Star Wars 5e is I know it enough. Um, you know, I, I know it enough that I can get in there and, and just kind of spitball through that, you know, where... I don't know traditional 5e lore at all um and that would really feel like a, a hurdle to me is is trying to come up with that stuff other than leaning on some of the loose things uh in in just pop culture and media and whatever um so yeah because i know that i think that's a i think that's a great point to make about star wars 5e is you know it's so you know people know that uh so well yeah i think for, especially for new dms like me when i was starting there uh it's uh, a great way to just jump in without having to do your own world building or having to do a lot of research into the history of the 
uh, Forgotten Realms or something. 100%. The nice thing, too, is it's kind of a shared language. Most people have at least seen the movies or uh, some have read some of the comics or watched some of the now Disney Plus shows. It's one that you can have a setting and not have to over-explain it to get people to understand what, what's going on. Right, yeah. So that worked really well for what I was trying to do at the time. I know we talked a little bit about your campaign and maybe we'll touch on that a little bit later. Uh, just talking about your experience as a, a GM and whatnot, but uh, what are some of your favorite things from the system? What's your favorite class? I know you said you played an operative um, originally, but <laughs> anything else that sticks out uh, for, from the system? Uh, so yeah, as far as play time goes, that's most of my play time in the system as a player. Um, obviously I was, I got to be part of your uh, holiday one shot that one time yeah java uh, all the way yes which was a lot of fun and uh playing uh the fighter in that system inspired me to want to play a fighter in 5e in a different game that uh tegan is in so oh yeah <laughs> part of the reason i created that character was because i really liked the rune knight fighter um you know as a character class and uh the, doing the totem warrior in that holiday one shot was really fun for that reason um, I think though, if I actually had a chance to play through a whole campaign, um, I would probably say consular. I think I would go consular, yes, because I like the force and it feels close to my favorite character to play in the MMO, which is a consular. Awesome. Yeah, definitely a great class, especially like if you spec healing or something, uh, Tegan from, uh, I forget their character name from our, our first uh, campaign from the Spooners. And just, I mean, you know, Tegan would, Tegan, Tegan's a ruthless DM and would throw stuff at us. And then the <laughs> healer comes in and is just like, eh, cancel all that. Let's restart. You know, it was just nuts. Everybody's good again. Everybody's good. <laughs> yeah, that cons consular healing build out of control. Blanking on the uh, name. I feel bad now. But yeah, that was just great healing class. That <laughs> could be powerful. I think, yeah. Uh, either healing or a uh, way of manipulation I like a lot just because um, Darth Kreia is, uh, or Darth Chaya, but Kreia is very uh, awesome and uh, one of my favorite characters from the lore of the Old Republic. So getting to do that, like throwing lightsabers around telekinetically is a really awesome visual concept. So I love doing that too. Oh, that's a fun one. I think I want to, players in uh the old uh campaign that we have under utah play the the manipulation with the lightsaber spinning all around them and get some crazy ac from it yep yeah yeah uh, throwing up that uh that uh i forget what they call it uh something weapon or whatever but uh yeah definitely a super cool feature lots i mean that's you know we talk about this almost every uh episode uh tegan that you know just the versatility and the stuff that you can do with the system and and something that everyone enjoys very much so uh vesh you have the holodex, Vesh's holodex. For anyone that doesn't know about that, it should be sitting around in in pins and posts on uh, various places on the website um, or the Discord and things like that. And uh, it's one that I go to personally quite a bit. Um, I, I think it's well done. It's organized very well, and and uh, you know, most of the time I'll use stuff directly, but oftentimes it's for inspiration as well. Um, what is like? How did that? come about? How did you get into, you know, deciding to put together these stat blocks and whatnot? I appreciate all that first off, but um, yeah, well, with the stat blocks, I jumped into just out of necessity, kind of. Uh, 
like I said, when I got into the system and I started DMing it, it was uh, at that point at the very beginning of 2020, uh, in the before times, and yeah. <laughs> and uh, the system was already really you know robust in a lot of ways. But the one aspect I noticed at the time. Um, was that I felt that there were a lot of creatures and things from the games and movies and shows that I really wanted to throw at my players and they weren't yet available. There was, which is it's still awesome, but there was Fisto's Codex, which of course exists and is um, still a fantastic resource. But uh, you know, it didn't have everything I wanted in it. So uh, I decided to go for it on my own. and. I had never designed a creature stat block before. Um, I think there were some helpful guides in the Discord at the time that might have helped with showing what to do. Um, I started taking a lot of inspiration just from existing creatures from 5e or finding kind of analogous creatures from 5e and started to just shift or change them based on what I thought was appropriate for the creature from Star Wars. And that's kind of what I started to do. And uh, it spiraled from there essentially yeah i'd say so i mean there is a lot of uh, stat blocks in here and uh you know a lot of great stuff the uh the layout like the imagery inserts and things you know fantastic there's a lot of things too that again you know as i said i'm i'm certainly not i wouldn't say i i know the lore amazingly but um in a lot of these uh, some of these felt uh, like obscure creatures here and there, but every once in a while mm -hmm. I'd be like, all right, I'm looking for something. And then it, it was actually in your, uh, in the holodex, uh, one specifically the uh, Corellian Sand Panther, because um, there was this, uh, I think it was specifically in this adventure. I run, I ran a lot of um, the D20 system adventures. There's a lot of those easily accessible mm -hmm. and they had like one shots and things. Mm -hmm. I know and exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, there's one of them where I think you're like transporting the Sand Panthers or something. Anyway, I'm like, holy shit, here's the stat block. Amazing. <laughs> like it just, yeah, it was so cool that uh, I think there was a couple other things that might've been in there as well. And um, oh, yeah, that one definitely came exactly from Okay, I mean, almost definitely the one you're thinking of because yeah. I was at one point just looking up uh, creatures i think i was on the wikipedia uh, the, the wikipedia for a good time just looking at like every listed creature in the star wars universe and being like does this have enough information on it to make a semi-accurate stat block and i found that one i think i ended up using that adventure in my own campaign just modifying it for star wars 5e but yeah the sand panther was there so nice so do you looking at old adventures did you do a lot of conversion or was it kind of like a from scratch approach some of them were definitely conversions. Like I think that Panther was a conversion where it had the stats listed in that adventure. Right. And I just tried to match as much as I thought was appropriate to what felt good for the, uh, you know, Star Wars 5e. Um, some of them felt, like I said, analogous to creatures or things that exist in, uh, in regular D&D &D 5e. And so I was able to uh, just you know, make some tweaks and change it over from there. Others I just made from scratch based on just looking at the Wikipedia and seeing like, okay, what does it say their abilities are like, oh, this one has uh, resistance to blaster bolts according to the lore. So I'll give it resistance to energy damage or something. So looking at what features they had on the wiki to help just make it as lore accurate as I could was the other half of that. Nice. Uh, with going through all those, do you have any favorite blocks or favorite creature that you've made so far? Oh, 
there are definitely a few. I have to actually, I think, go back and run through it because off the top of my head, uh, ones that I really liked was, I forget the name. I have to go look through it myself. But there was that uh, the creature that I think Luke fights against in one comic and it's the same creature that was in the uh in the clone wars tv show that grievous had as a pet um running through to find it there it is the rogward hmm. uh that one's one that i really like i've never gotten to run it but it's just a really cool creature as it is and i liked i feel weird tooting my own horn on this but i liked the way i did it because it has a lot of like customization options on it uh, for any GM who's running it. Um, it has like six different cybernetic possible implants or uh, body parts that you can pick and choose for what it has for an encounter. Like it can have an exoskeleton or cybernetic arms and those give it different score, um, stat score changes and other abilities. Um, so you can make like a really cool custom encounter based on what kind of rogwort you want to throw at your players. Super cool. Yeah. That, and I, I was, it kind of made me think of something. Uh, it looks like GM binders is, uh, throwing a fit at it, but the Sispon Hydra and you did a, um, you did a table for that to, uh, it's cut off. So I forget what you called it, but to give, um, you know, some additional things, like if you wanted to make it harder or like, a, I think it was maybe a layer action type thing. Ah, uh, yes. That was, oh yeah, <laughs> it is doing that. I have to possibly go back and fix it. It might be an I issue think there's a simple update to GM binder. Yeah, yeah I think there's yeah. a quick tweak you could make, mm -hmm. but um, um, yeah, the but variant. Yes, that was a variant for a legendary version because I think at the time we had an existing, I didn't, I can't take full credit for the Sitzbahn Hydra because I think there was an existing one. I think the one I have in there was uh, updated or modified to what I felt was uh, perhaps more fitting uh, based on the lore of what I felt was accurate to the Sitzbahn Hydra. But uh, I think with collaboration with uh, some people on the Discord, decided to make a more legendary version. And that's always cool to have an option to do. And I love the presentation of that. I, that's what I think I was great because you have the, the base stat block and then it's like, if you want to make this into the legendary, here's what you do. You know, it's not just a whole nother block. You take the base block and then you can just add in these things. And I think that's uh, fantastic. Mm, yeah, yeah. Let's switch gears a little bit. Uh, so just mention again to our audience, go check out Vesh's Holodex. Uh, you could probably find that somewhere in the pins on the Discord. Uh, maybe we'll throw a link in the notes of this uh, episode as well. Uh, but Vesh, tell us about your GM experience uh, or what are some you know things that you've learned along the way that you would share? What's your kind of go-to tip, uh, a piece of advice that you would share to new GMs, DMs? Oof. Uh, I think that's hard for me to answer. Uh, I think the biggest thing I've gotten better with and learned a lot more about since I started is planning. And I'm definitely not an expert on this and I'm not great at it, but I've improved a lot. I know when I started and like my first session when we were starting off as my first five, uh, Star Wars 5e campaign, I know I overplanned that to hell and back. <laughs> um, I think I had probably like five sessions worth of planning done for the first session alone. I had like pages of notes. I was like, I need to know everything. If they ask about like the 
water cooler in the corner. I need to have an answer for his backstory. So, uh, and I've definitely learned since then to not do that, um, that I don't need all of that. And uh, I've gotten, I think, a lot better at keeping my planning a lot more minimal, having a lot more just broad strokes on what I feel may happen in a session, focusing more on just a key key locations and a couple of key NPCs for those for that, sorry for those locations, and therefore kind of minimize the work I have to do while uh, being much more uh, ready to go with the flow on anything the players throw at me. I find that's kind of the rite of passage for new DMs. Uh, same here. <laughs> when, I, when I first started, to have a whole bunch of notes, spent hours and hours prepping for one session. And as you get as you go on, you kind of just kind of get out of that and start to minimize and just be a little bit more comfortable going off the cuff when somebody throws a random curveball at you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely is one that new DMs like take that advice to heart. It's going to take you some time before you believe it, but that's like a core piece. And as soon as you get that, you'll spend so much less time and have more fun while you're actually running. At least I found I had more fun when I was running around and have that miles of prep in my back of my head. Absolutely. Yep. I, I, you know, I'll echo that as well. Went through the same thing for me, especially when on my longer series, when I like over planning. And when I was like, oh man, I plan, as you said, Vesh, you had like five episodes or five sessions worth for one. That was a relief though at the beginning. Cause I was like, I feel like I'm underprepared. And then luckily, you know, the characters dragged it out. So it was a good thing. But then yes, you learn like, okay, I can, you know, pull back on how much you need to prepare and, and uh, you know, ride the, ride the players and what they do and let them, you know, kind of take the reins a little bit more. And uh, you know, that, that also reduces uh, what you need to do. Oh yeah, definitely. And I think on the well, kind of connected to that is also that you touched on it, but uh, I felt at the time that I needed to prepare that much because I thought the players would somehow get through that material and I'd be left with nothing. <laughs> yeah. And if you are a new GM who's listening, just know that that's never going to be the case like 11 times out of 10 because the amount of sessions where I've planned even just a minimal amount of things and they didn't get through all of that is usually the common situation. Have you ever had the opposite? Have you ever ever felt like you didn't have enough content for a session? Uh, it's definitely happened, I think, once or twice where I was like, okay, they actually did get through that a little faster than I anticipated. Um, and that leads to a lot of improvising. But, yeah, I was going to say what, so what was that process for you? Um, you know, cause I, I was going to mention that I think for me, that's happened a few times and it's actually like, it's a little nerve wracking, maybe scary, but sometimes in the moment, it's also amazing. Cause you just, you as a GM, you're just riding it and, and, you know, improv and whatnot. Uh, how, how did you approach that? Yeah. I love to do improv, um, improv, something that I've, I mean, I've done outside of D and D just doing improv uh, is fun to do, but yeah, yeah, improving is uh, definitely something to keep practicing at. Uh, but yeah, it was mostly just finding some kind of situation to present to the players in the situation if they're finished with the dungeon or the you know the big fight that you had planned for the whole session. Uh, you know, roll with just conversation. What are the other NPCs who are still around saying or? maybe just have some interesting thing appear on the side of the road. Um, I definitely been there where the players were getting too faster. And I said, uh, you see out of nowhere, some odd form of a building rising up out of the 
old grounds and the suddenly there's a, this whole adventure that lasts like two sessions of them trying to get a sith orb out of the ground that was designed to prevent them from getting it that i made up on the spot so just <laughs> whatever you can think of can still be fun and exciting Sure, and what they want to bring back too, because it sounds like you've so it sounds like you've have you taken improvisation classes outside of like tabletop or just like done like straight improv. I was at a very short lived improv for a little bit, yeah, back when I was in high school. Perfect. I've, I've never done like just I've only improv when it comes to TTRPGs. Uh, how, how's uh, kind of how is that compared to like playing an RPG and have you kind of brought anything over from your times with the troop? Uh, <laughs> I think it's actually really relevant. I, I'm not going to say in the slightest that I'm not good at doing improv, but it's a lot of fun. It's a really great experience if you ever have a chance to do it. Um, you know, it's just you and friends up uh, on a stage or even just practicing like together, saying random stuff and making each other laugh. And it definitely does play. I, know, I think a lot of uh, people who've done improv have talked about it before that it does have a lot of uh, synergy, I guess you could say, with doing uh, TTRPGs just because they uh, rely so much on improv. So having the ability to just think on your feet is a really good one to have. It, it is such a core component of these games that we play. And uh, yeah, if you had opportunities, you said to kind of do some stuff on there. Uh, there's a new um, book coming out uh, by Evil Hat. Uh, some people might have seen that out there, but Improv for Gamers. Uh, which I think goes through a lot of that stuff, uh, talk about those uh, skills and things. So uh, that might be good because it's a little geared specifically to these games we play. So uh, yeah, I think whatever helps in in that regard. Uh, and that and that goes for both sides of the table too, not just GMs. I think you know as players as well, uh, you know, improving in the in the moment uh, is a great skill to try and uh, build. I have to try to try out like real improv sometime. I feel like I don't know. It's easy. I would say easy, but super. It's easier for me now for TTRPG stuff. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like being like on a stage would be a little bit harder. I mean, outside of maybe any potential stage fright, which is I think a separate thing that everybody deals with. Uh, I think you'd do great, especially since you have a lot of experience. I'm sure you would uh, definitely be able to just kind of slip right into that of just saying the next thing and continuing the scene. I have to give it a shot sometime. Yeah, definitely. Super cool. Uh, Vesh, let's, uh, as we kind of go into wrap up here, uh, tell us a little bit about, so I know you're not currently running uh, any Star Wars 5e, correct? Yes. Uh, I ran basically nonstop uh, two games for the last couple of years. And uh, both of those games uh, came to a close in the last six months or so. Uh, currently, I'm running a Curse of Strahd campaign. Awesome. So just tell us a little bit about that. What's your kind of part? How many players do you have? Uh, it's a five player campaign. We've been running it now for almost a year. Do you have a preference on party size? Yeah, I personally like to run. I think all of my campaigns have been five to six players. Um, and I think the first campaign I did was six. And uh, some of the people in it were like, you're crazy to do that because you're a new DM. And they were probably right. But I thought that I wanted to have that many because I was playing on World 20 and I was very nervous about if someone doesn't show up, then it's, you yeah. know, there's only four players and it's three and it's still good to do with three, but I like having a lot of people to kind of play around with. So uh, it felt better for me 
and I've just gotten used to doing that. So bigger parties are my preference for sure. Five is my sweet spot. I, I love having five players. I feel like it's kind of a good balance. And if somebody bails out, you don't feel like you have to cancel. <laughs> and so you can yeah. keep everything moving. Is there anything that, uh, you know, I'm a little on the opposite end. I Four is my favorite. Um, I love a party of three. Uh, sometimes three can be great um, as well. But um, so I think some things that with a larger party, you know, it's balancing like eat, uh, time in the spotlight. Uh, do you have any thoughts, tips on how you kind of personally manage that to allow uh, every player to have a little bit of uh, their time here and there? Yeah, definitely. That's, I think, easily one of the biggest struggles for a big party is just you don't want anyone to be sitting there for a long time not talking that's not fun for most people um and for me it's something i continue to practice with for sure is just trying to remember to just jump back and forth just every you know few minutes or at least in the middle of even big scenes where it there there were times where two players might start a scene and they're talking together for a long time and that's great if that scene goes for a very long time or if it's a scene between one player and an NPC for a long time, you know, I don't want everyone else to sit there. So I, even in the middle of a scene, I'll just say, okay, wait, you know, what are you doing while this is happening? Just jumping over as frequently as I can to other people, um, asking people like, okay, while this scene is happening, think about what you're doing. What is your character up to? And then I'll come back to you in a bit. So it's not easy to do but it takes practice and it's uh, i think important to do that though yeah i think the the jumping back and forth uh as you said definitely is something you kind of learn and, and have to uh get better at uh definitely doable though and and i think that can make for a very cool session you don't always have to have everyone write together all the time you know have those things where they split and and create those different moments um you know because then sometimes those other players become the audience as well for their fellow players and that can be super cool so uh definitely something not to shy away from mm -hmm. awesome well uh vesh this was amazing uh i think a great uh little moment there to end on uh appreciate uh, your time getting up in the morning over your way to join us for the conversation. Uh, yeah, thank you so much. And and perhaps uh, we'll connect uh, another time down the road. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was uh, a lot of fun to do. I've never been on a podcast, so this was a really cool experience. Absolutely. So everyone out there, uh, make sure you check out Vesh's Holodex. Uh, we'll put links to that so you can access that. Check out those great stat blocks for your game. And uh, uh, once you do check that out, let us know what stat block from there is your favorite. And we'll be sure uh, to let Vesh know what you've enjoyed out of that. So again, thank you so much. And uh, we'll talk to you again very soon. All right. Thank you both. Enjoy your Monday. <laughs> Have a good evening. Okay, fantastic time talking with Vesh. Great uh, member of the community and, uh, you know, he's definitely contributed a lot. So go check out his Holodex if you haven't yet. Uh, a lot of great content there, uh, stat blocks and things like that. So uh, if you would like to join us for a conversation as a fellow DM in the Star Wars 5 community, uh, make sure uh, just reach out and we'll uh, see about setting that up. Love to have uh, different individuals out there to come tell us about their story in the game. Looking ahead to our next episode, which should be out on the 21st, uh, we're going to touch on plots and story hooks and uh, give some ideas on kind of generating that, how to maybe map them out uh, and, and just help uh, create that for your campaign, your story, uh, either on the fly or, you know, maybe an early prep 
uh, if you're planning out a campaign as well. So look forward to that one. We'll see you all on the next one. May the force be with you. May the force be with you.